listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I want to get these down, and if you're taking notes, um, I want you to write these six things down. We're going to go in depth with each one of these and kind of teach from the Word of God what they mean and uh, why it takes this habit or discipline uh, to live in, as an overcomer, an overcoming lifestyle, live as a champion. And uh, that's the key is that when you understand that there are prerequisites, nobody succeeds by accident. You're not victorious by accident. You're, a, you're victorious on purpose. There's, there's ways to become victorious. And there are things laid out in God's word, disciplines. We're going to give you six of those today. So if you have your Bible, we want you to turn with us to second Kings chapter four. We're going to start there. And Carolyn, if you'd read, I want, I want to read, um, starting in verse 18, second Kings four, and we'll, uh, we'll read verse 18. Um, let's read all the way through 19. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> through 25, 18 through 25. So let's do that. Second Kings chapter four, 18 through 25. If you're taking notes, what's one, up, Sean? One day when her child was older, he went out to help his father who was working with the harvesters. Suddenly he cried out, my head hurts, my head hurts. His father said to one of the servants, carry him home to his mother. So the servant took him home and his mother held him on her lap, but around noontime he died. She carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and left him there. She sent a message to her husband, send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. Why go today, he asked. Is it neither a new moon festival nor a Sabbath? But she said it will be all right. So she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you to. As she approached the man of God at Mount Carmel, Elisha saw her in the distance. He said to Gehazi, look, the woman from Shunem is coming. We'll stop right there. So her husband's like one of those Easter and Christmas Christians. Is it new moon or Sabbath? Why are you going to church? Um, but in all honesty, notice what happened. Now, the backstory, if you don't know. He knew who had the faith too. I know. To hurry, take him home to her mother, his mother. <laughs> exactly. So you, you, you start to realize right off the bat, and we're going to jump into number one, right off the bat, if you don't know who this woman is from the story, this is the wealthy woman that literally built a, an apartment on the top of her home for Elisha so that anytime he would pass through town, he had his own place to stay. She'd feed him. She cared for him. She made a place in her home for the anointing. And when it was time for um, uh, Elisha, he wanted to bless her back. Um, he asked the question, what can we do for this woman? Well, she's already wealthy. She already had a good reputation with the king, uh, but the servant Gehazi said, well, she can't have children. And he said, well, by this time next year, you'll hold your, a son in your hand. And that was her uh, harvest for her seed to the prophet. She held that son. Well, this is the son we're talking about is that at, a while later, as he's working in the field, his, he, whether it be sunstroke, whatever it was, his head hurts, he died. So notice what she did. First habit of every overcomer, every champion is that she saw the end from the beginning. That's number one, put it in your notes. They see the end from the beginning. 
They see the end from the beginning. Very important that you catch that. Champions, overcomers, they see the end from the beginning. And so she didn't mourn. This is so important. She didn't mourn. She didn't jump on Facebook and start telling everybody what was going on. She didn't freak out. No, look exactly at what she did. She took her son back up to the apartment she'd built for the prophet, put him on the bed and closed the door. In type, what, what we see here, what is she doing? She's actually taking her situation and leaving it in the anointing. That's so vital. She takes her situation, the dead son, and leaves the situation in the anointing. Very important you see this. She didn't actually tell anybody else about it. In fact, you know what she did? She just told her husband, I'm going to see the prophet. She didn't have to go and tell her friends and oh, pray for me. No, she put the situation in the anointing. She saw the end from the beginning and she moved forward to see the man of God and get into the presence of God. That's key that you actually see your victory before it happens. Yeah. She, um, and if you keep reading it, it goes to show you that as a champion, she made a choice over what her mind and everything that was happening, happening yep. to her. It said she was deeply troubled. And when somebody asked what was wrong, right. it's, she said, she answered it is well. Yeah, that's exactly right. So a champion does not say, oh, well, you know. Things happen. It happens. I'm going to go by my emotion. They don't go by their emotion. They go by what they see in advance. And yeah. they're trying to get to that end goal without going by their emotion. And so she made a choice over her mind. Even though she was deeply troubled, she didn't show it. Champions right. don't show it. No. Because why? Because, and I, I put this on Instagram yesterday. You saw it. I put, it was from our broadcast yesterday. If you are feelings driven, you can never be spirit led. Right. If you're feelings driven, you can never be spirit led. So what did she do? Did she get all caught up in her emotions? Did she go out and start, you know, taking actions based off of how she felt in her flesh? Absolutely not. But, she wasn't going to be feelings but driven. But think about all parents that are watching. Your child is back at home dead, not dying. Right, not, dead. You know, we have a, I'm racing to the prophet because there's a chance they, they're still breathing, but barely breathing. So there's life in it. It's like, no, he, he came in and he's dead and she still responds. And where is it at? In verse 26, the next one, they said, is everything all right with you and your husband and your child? And she just said, yes. Everything is fine. It is well. In it fact, is we, fine. We used it's to have well. a, a hymn that we would sing in church. That was the name of the hymn. It is well from this story with my soul. And that's number two, by the way, if you're uh, taking notes, the second habit you've got to develop is that they believe what they say and not what they see. That's the second habit of overcomers and champions is that they see the end from the beginning, but they believe what they say or confess, not what they see in the natural. Those two things go together. I have a vision of what God is going to do in my life and in my family. And because I have a vision that comes from his word, I'm going to begin to speak the things that I've seen in the word, not things that I've seen in the world. I speak what I see in the word, not what I see in the world. And I believe what I say, 
not what I see. See, there comes a, a place when we got there. If you remember, there was a time we dealt with that. Many people know our, our testimony with Maddie in Brooklyn in the hospital. We, we got to the place where we had to make up our mind. Whose report are you going to believe? And we had to make up our own personal mind. We're going to believe the report of the Lord. Right. We're not going to believe the report of doctors, although we're thankful for doctors. This is what, I, you know, I always tell people about doctors because sometimes Christians can go the extreme right. and they like hate doctors and they're mad at them. But you have to realize that God anointed their mind. He gave them the gift to do what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so their doctors are not evil. The whole point is what, what the way we believe is there gets to a point where the doctors can't do any more. They can only do what natural science and natural stuff can do. Then you have to cross over to Jesus because it's supernatural and he goes past the natural. It's a supernaturalist. And so doctors aren't bad. Doctors aren't evil. No. Doctors are gifted with the mind that God's given them to understand what they're looking at. There's no way I could do heart surgery. No <laughs> way it would be a very bad idea. But a heart surgeon who has taken the time to study and his mind has been created to and gifted and talented to do that, then then he would be the one, you know, for heart surgery, not me. But there does does come a time where we can't depend on doctors. We have to go past that. They only know so much. Mm -hmm. Natural stops. There's a cap on the natural. Yeah, the, the arm of flesh can only reach so far. Yeah, there's a cap on the natural. It's only going to go so far. Yeah, that's why the Bible actually, we've quoted this verse before. It's why the Bible says, Cursed is the man who puts his trust in the arm of flesh and in doing so turns his back upon God. That's Jeremiah 17, 5. The reason we quote that scripture is because you cannot say you trust God if you're truly trusting in men only. You can't trust in men and say, well, I'm trusting in God. No, you can't put your trust in the arm of flesh. Understand something, divine healing is not the same as natural healing. Divine healing is not the same as natural healing. You know, when God heals you, he heals you. He doesn't need the assistance of men to heal you. You know, I've gotten in, uh, there's been a few small controversies for me saying that. You know, people get upset at me that I say that. Well, God doesn't need medication to heal you. He doesn't. He doesn't need medication to heal you. He can heal you by his supernatural power. I said this before, I'll say it again. If you think that God needs a man-made substance to supplement his supernatural power, you don't understand the power of God. God doesn't need medication to heal you. Am I telling you to go off your medication if you're sick? No, I'm not a medical professional expert or I don't give medical advice. What I'm telling people is don't think and don't say, well, God's using this new medication the doctor gave me to heal me. No, he's not. <laughs> because here's how I know he's not using medication to heal you. Because if he did use medication to heal you of sickness and disease, who would get the glory for the healing? Would the doctor get it? Would the pharmacy get it? Or the person who invented and developed the drug, would they get it? Or would God get it? Who gets the glory if God heals you through medicine or doctors? The doctors get it because God, uh, you know, doctors don't need God. You know, doctors, there's many atheist doctors that can do surgeries. There's atheist doctors that can prescribe medications. They don't need God to do that. 
But understand something, when God heals you, he doesn't need doctors to heal you. And he doesn't need medication to heal you. I'm also not vilifying you. If you're in a place right now where you're taking medication, or if you're uh, believing for your healing and you're on that uh, road and you're in that process, I'm not condemning you for being on medication. What I'm trying to get you to understand is, is that God doesn't need that medication when he heals you. That's not why he, or how he heals you. He does it by his supernatural power. And so here we understand two things we're seeing is number one is that she saw the end from the beginning. She had a vision of victory. And number two, she believed what she said and not what she saw. Because if she'd believe what she saw, she would have said, well, it's too late now that the kid's dead. It's too late for anything to happen. Her, it goes, I spoke a lot on um, Friday on 2 Corinthians 4.13. I believe, therefore I speak. And that's, that's what that 2 Corinthians 4.13 is saying. I believe, therefore I speak. So what do you believe? What you believe is what's going to come out of your mouth. What you believe you're going to have action steps and things that you're going to take and it's going to prove what you believe. Yeah. And you can see what this woman believed. Absolutely. You can see what she believed. Therefore, she took action steps on by taking money and building an extra room yeah. on an attachment onto her home for the man of God when he was there. She took action steps. And so she already like what her fruit and what her action steps took helped her when it came time for this crazy, terrible situation with her son that when she rode off to get him, mm -hmm. she it just goes to show you that she was at peace. That's right. She knew what she believed. She was not freaking out. Nope. She wasn't questioning the word of God. She wasn't questioning anything. For you to be a mother, mm -hmm. to say it is well with right. your son is dead. That alone is miraculous. It goes to show you what she believed, yeah. what she knew, and 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 how she, it didn't waver at all. Well, here's a woman that you can you can obviously see understood the anointing. Why would she even care? She honored it about building a house on her house for the prophet if she didn't honor it care about it. And number three, understand it. Right. Why would I even bother with the prophet if I don't understand the anointing? That's the question. So here's a woman. She's not some kind of immature uh, follower of God. She understood the anointing. She honored the anointing. She pursued the anointing. You know, her heart was this, obviously. If you're in our area, if you're passing through our area, listen, come see us. I don't care if nobody else wants to host you. We want to host you. Come see us. I'll feed you and I'll feed you well. Not only that, just to make sure, you know, it's like a, I love this story, you know, um, Bishop David Oyedepo in Nigeria and his wife, you know, they, um, they see Kenneth and Gloria Copeland as their mentors, you know? And, um, one of the things that really was amazing to me is that of course, brother Copeland still goes over there every year to do uh, the minister's conference in Nigeria. And, um, one of the things that's really interesting to me is, um, sister Copeland, you know, it's, it's, it's not an easy travel to go from, you know, Texas to Ota, Nigeria. And, um, hold on one second. Yeah. Bonnie, switch that around. It's, we, it's, we believe what we say. Yeah, there you not go. Not what we see. Just switch there see and say, because I don't want you to, to, to quote it wrong all week. And then right. It's, it's we believe switched. what we declare, yeah. not what we see in the world. Yeah. What we say, not what we see. Sorry. I didn't so want her to so go Bishop, on. they so badly wanted um, 
brother and sister Copeland to come and stay with them when they do this every year. And uh, he said, you know what? I want it to be as comfortable for Sister Gloria Copeland as possible. I want to make it as comfortable and as beautiful for her and, and Brother Copeland as possible. And literally, they built an entire home, yeah. a beautiful big home on their property in Canaan land in Ota, there in Nigeria, north of Lagos, uh, b- built a beautiful big home for Brother and Sister Copeland to stay in when they come. You know, they're only coming once a year. But they said, we so want to honor that anointing. We so want to honor that gift that God has placed in our life and ministry as mentors. We want to honor that anointing. And that really struck my heart because you think about it. I think Bishop Boyadepo is 67 or 68 years old, something like that. And, uh, and of course we know brother Copeland is what? 81 or two, 81 or 82. And here's a man who could say, well, you know, I'm already in, in my later years, I'm almost 70. You know, I don't, I don't need to be, uh, you know, have any mentors. I'm the mentor now. No, still a humble heart, still hungry for the anointing, still seeking, still uh, searching for impartations. And what does he do? Same thing this woman did in second Kings four, he prepared a place for brother and sister Copeland to come and stay. I found that not only touching, but very intelligent that they would honor the gift of God in that way. Why? Because he wants a deposit from it. Same with this woman. She wanted a deposit from the anointing of God, even before she had a son, even before the son died, she wanted to receive from the prophet of God. And you can see what she said. Anytime you're coming through town, stop in here. I want you guys to write this in the comment section. Everyone that's watching, I want a deposit from the anointing of God. I want you to put that in the comments. I want a deposit from the anointing of God. You know, you can grow in faith. You can grow in your manifestation of the anointing. You don't get a greater anointing. You've already got the greatest anointing. It's the Holy Ghost. You know, it's funny, like people sometimes think like, I need to just get a greater anointing. Well, it's like, it's, you've got the Holy Ghost. There's no greater anointing than that. He fills your body. He lives in you, dwells in you. Yeah. It's just how can you, it takes that maturity level of faith and also the crucifying of the flesh to release the anointing that you already do have. And so I want you to put in the comments, I want a deposit from the anointing of God. No question. Amen. And here's what we see. Number one, saw the end from the beginning. Number two, began to confess that thing. Every person that stopped her, how's it going with you? It is well. How about your son? It is well. Not he's dead. Keep us in prayer. It is well. It is well. It is well. That's my declaration. That's your declaration. It is well. That's what you need to be saying every single day. Doesn't matter how things are going or what the devil's trying to use to attack you. It is well. Wake up and say it. Wake up and have that be the first thing that's you know, comes out of your mouth. Come on. When you get out of bed. Oh, my back aches, my knees hurt, my elbows. (laughs) I got so much to do. I'm tired. You know, all this stuff that comes out of our mouth naturally because we tend to speak the first thing we feel, change it. No matter what, it is well. It is well. It is well. Yeah, and that's, you're speaking by faith. You know, because here's the thing, you have to ask yourself the question, is God's word true or is it a lie? If it's true, God's working on your behalf, it is well. All things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. If you are the called of God, if you are the called of God, then it will be well with you in Jesus name. 
It will be well with you in Jesus name. Number three, third thing I want you to see that champions do overcomers do as a habit in their life is they make decisions based upon the future, not the present. They make decisions based upon the future, not on the present. People that are always, and you know this as well as I do, there's people that make decisions <laughs> constantly. It makes me, I'm always thinking of people that get their tax returns. It's like as soon as the tax returns come in, all new sunglasses, all new shoes, all new clothes, all new, they make decisions on the present rather than on the future. They got no plan for the future. No, they already have it spent before they receive it. It's true. Like in their mind, as soon as it comes in, it doesn't even hardly hit their own bank account before it's, it's out. already spent. It's out. And, and if you're going to be an overcomer in life, that's why the Bible says a fool spends all that he has. A fool. That means there should be overflow, excess, leftover, savings. There should be something there to pull from. And uh, we're in Proverbs uh, chapter 11. Will you read 24 and 25? Yes. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Listen to I that. I love Proverbs 11. I do 25. too. I do too. I'm going to read 23 through 25. Listen to the ESV. The desire of the righteous ends only in good. The expectation of the wicked in wrath. One gives freely and grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered. So catch this. If you look at times of turmoil, those that are not in that champion mindset, in that overcoming mindset, guess what they do? They immediately go into the mode of hoarding everything. Yeah. Well, nothing, nothing else is going to come. We're in a time of problems, time of turmoil. They begin to hoard, hoard. That's Proverbs Ugh. chapter 11. Verses 24 and 25, Kelly, Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. Startling when it's that cold. Coffee was bad, cold. Just, yeah. You're Father like, would you just like ask think you're going to get a nice hot <laughs> swig. It's not there. Nope. Gone. Um, Completely gone. The key with this is this, listen to this. When you're in a time of turmoil, people start hoarding. They start holding back, storing up. Well, you know, I don't know how this, how long it's going to last. One of the things we made up in our mind, we had, you know, all of our meetings were. did that. Yeah, that's, what, that's the point I'm making. We, we were in that, we were in the middle of that. And you know, we had no meetings, borders were closed, places oh, yeah. were shut down. And literally we started giving and giving and giving, giving and giving. I think tens of thousands of dollars during that, during that time of the shutdown, we had no income coming in that way. I didn't even know that. That's like one time I sat on the couch and I was like, man, like really doors have been opening while we've just been home you know, yeah. and, and then now, you know, we feel to, to step out and do this office. And mm -hmm. so I was just like curious. So then when I found out how much we had given during that time, I was like, well, right now I with know nothing why. coming in <laughs> and a steady flow going out. See, yep. that's what the Bible's teaching is that those who are of a mindset of God's system, which is one who gives freely grows all the richer. Another withholds. What he should give suffers want. So when you step into a hoarding mindset, when you, when you step into a hold it back mindset, it cuts off the harvest that God has planned for your life. Everything you see right now, all the equipment, the building we're sitting in, the wall behind us, everything, including everything that was paid for this year. By the way, 
we'll have payments on this place, but they're all already paid for. Think about that. They're all already paid for because God sent one person who didn't even know what God was calling us to do. We were keeping it. We were going to announce it all when it took place, sent one check and paid all the payments for the rest of the year from the time we got the building. Just one, one check. So understand everything we're sitting in, everything you're seeing, the LED wall, all of the lights, all the cameras, all the equipment, everything we're doing, including all employees that are working and helping us on the team, everything you see, the increase exploded during the lockdown, during the quarantine, the pandemic. And it wasn't because we withheld and hoarded. The champion mindset is, I continue to be generous. I continue to do what God's called me to do. I continue to sow seeds. I am a continually generous person. I will never hold back my seeds because my harvest will never end in Jesus name. And that's what we understand is that if you're going to be a champion, if you're going to have an overcoming lifestyle, I can't be going from a a little blessing here, drought season, blessing here, drought season. One of your favorite things to read is Psalm 1. But it also goes to show you how simple God made an example of seed time and harvest just by the natural plants and flowers, vegetables that we all eat. I mean, if the farmers never did seed time and harvest, we would never have anything in the stores. Right. If we never did it for our own stuff in the backyard, if we never took care, you know, if if we want more tomatoes and we've eaten the tomatoes off the tomato vine, what do we have to do? Take care, more seed, more water. It's yep. always giving to get something. That's right. And so in order for us to have that champion mindset, we have to realize, first of all, it all belongs to God no matter that's what. That's right. When I go to give something to somebody that's materialistic, anything, money, shoes, bags, clothes, I always realize this isn't going to be my last thing. I'm going to give this because I know God's got something to give me. No question. And it's not that I'm giving away garbage. It's nice stuff because I also want to make sure my heart stays right. And Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that I have that mindset. I'll never be without. When you get that champion mindset of you'll never be without, it's a game changer. Absolutely. And I do. And I was actually reading, um, Psalm, look, I just turned to it, uh, Psalm 92 today. And I love that it says, um, it will start in verse 12, but the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon for they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God, which I do in my own Bible. I wrote Psalm one because to me they're connected here. Mm-hmm. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. Come on. They will declare the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. <laughs> so it goes to show you Hallelujah. the godly. Yeah, that's you. That's me. The godly will flourish. And look what he does with the godly. He transplants them to the Lord's own house and they flourish in the courts of the God. I want to be that person. That's it. I want to be the godly person that he wants me in his home and that I will flourish in the courts of our God. And that's what a champion does. A champion is there with he, he's our coach and they're there in the coach's house. Think about this. And you, I'm, I'm underlining it after you. I, I want to underline that one part of my Bible. I use the thing so it's exactly straight because I'm OCD about that. No rulers. Um, no rulers in the house. Um, but <laughs> look at that on, on the 12th verse. I love this. The righteous 
shall flourish like the palm tree. Can I give you something here that'll stir you up? The righteous will flourish like what? A palm tree. You know what the palm tree produces? The largest seed in the world, the coconut. That's the largest seed that I know of in the world. The righteous will flourish in that way, which means as you flourish, just like a palm tree, your seeds will be larger, 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 not small, but large. I, you know, I actually changed my prayer life in this area to this very uh, principle because I used to pray. And I remember we used to just believe God, you know, Lord, uh, I pray that this would be the year that the largest harvests that we've ever seen would come in. I don't pray that way anymore. I stopped praying that way because you can't pray for harvests. You can't pray for harvests. I want you to put this in the comments. You can't pray for harvests. You sow for harvests. You can't pray for harvests. You sow for harvests. And here we see it that the righteous will flourish like a palm. What does that mean? Largest seed there is. My prayer switched to this. Father, put the largest seeds in my hand this year that I've ever sown, ever before. You know why? The Bible does teach that. Paul taught in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, God gives seed to the sower. And the Lord knows my heart. He knows I'm a sower, knows Carolyn's a sower. I mean, every year we've given more to the Lord than the year before, and it'll never end. And he knows that our hearts were sowers. And what's the key? I'm going to pray according to his will because he wants us to be sowers. Lord, put the largest seeds into our hand to, to put into your kingdom this year that we've ever had. And he'll do it. If he knows you're faithful, he's watched your track record. He'll do it. I like that it says he gives seed to the sower, not seed to everybody, to the sower. And so as my, as my dad has, and he's on right now, as my dad has taught many times in his revival meetings, you know, people come up to say, brother Ted, I just don't have anything to sow. And my dad always tells them to be quiet. He said, because you're revealing, you're not a sower. If you've got no seed, it's because God knows you're not a sower. So repent and tell the Lord, I will be a faithful sower. And then his word comes to pass. He gives seed to the sower. And so one of the things that I'm going to always do now is pray, God, give us the largest seeds. You know, we do two things. We always say, I want to give more in total over a year, but we also want to give the largest one-time offerings that we've ever given in a year. So I remember back when our largest offering we ever sowed was $5,000, but I wanted to get to a place and you wanted to get to a place where we could sow 10,000. And then beyond that. So our faith, we're, we're constantly stretching it. I want to give more in, in total in a year, but I also want to give larger one-time offerings and stretch my faith and watch what God will do. And he does, he's been doing it. And see, that's the vision for the future. The future is what are my harvests going to be? I can't pray for a harvest. I sow for a harvest. If you didn't put that in, uh, pop it in the comments. I don't pray for a harvest. I sow for a harvest. You can, here's the deal. You know, people used to call the church, but would you pray for me that God bless me financially? No, I won't. I won't pray. And they'd get all bent out of shape. What do you mean? You're not going to pray that God will bless? No, I'm not going to pray because I can pray till I'm blue in the face, but until you tithe and until you sow, there's not a harvest coming back. I can't override God's laws with my prayer. 
And so the key is what we pray is Lord, give us the resource to be faithful servants and he'll do it. He'll absolutely do it. Look at that. Lynn Ann said, I got to sow my first $1,000 last fall twice. OMG, which I'm sure she means goodness. That was so fun. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that's the key. God continues to increase you. Yeah. People forget the verse, you know, what you give you, you shall get back. And that's right. They, and they don't realize, you know, that includes money. Of course it does. <laughs> Whatsoever always, a man sows. They, they, they always think, you know, well, I donated clothes to Goodwill. Where's my financial harvest? It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> a seed reproduces after its own kind. It's like when we were uh, growing up, they told us, if you want friends, you got to be friendly. You don't sow seeds for friendship. You know, say, I'm, a, I'm sowing this $100 in the offering this week to, because I'm believing God's going to send me a friend. It doesn't work that way. A seed reproduces after some for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> then when you run out of money and they're not around, they're not anymore. around. They weren't really your friend in the first place. So, <laughs> so you have to understand that a champion, an overcomer, not only do they see the end at the beginning, not only do they believe what they say, not what they see, but also they make decisions based on the future and not the present. Make decisions based on the future, not the present. You know, it's interesting if you look at the life of David, David was actually thinking of the future when he fought Goliath. He's not thinking of right now. If you think of right now, it's like, if I stand up against this guy, he may kill me. David's vision he, was on the future. He couldn't have thought of the right now because who in the right mind would have been that boy going to fight a giant when With everyone no else in the army is right. not wanting to. No armor, and no sword. trained to. Right. Like that, that was their life. They like slept and ate fighting. Right. And then you have David, you know, playing a harp under a tree. <laughs> exactly. And it's like he, he had, he, he just, there was no option. You know that he had it in his spirit to see the future, that he had that champion mentality to look past the now. And you know that he was looking at Goliath as though he was a dead man walking. Mm -hmm. The reason that he could see beyond the conflict, he, he looked at Goliath and said, today, I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds of the air. Well, that, that's, that's a statement of faith, <laughs> right? That's a statement of faith today. I'm seeing beyond our fight. I'm looking into the future. Second Corinthians, whatever I believe, I will say. Yeah. So he believed it. So he said it. The apostles declared that in second Corinthians chapter four, we believe, therefore we have spoken or we speak. So understand that's the same with David. There it is. Today's the day I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds of the air. What are you talking about? You've got no armor on, no sword. He just said you're going to cut his head off. You got no sword. You got a sling. He's got armor. He's got a sword. He's got a spear. He's got a shield. He's a battle hardened warrior. A lot of anger. Yeah, but <laughs> doesn't matter because I see beyond you. I see beyond the conflict. I'm making my decisions based on the future, not the right now. And moments from now, birds will be eating your flesh on the ground. I'm making this. When I throw this rock. I'm throwing it based on the future, not on the now. And I feel the Holy Ghost on that. That's how faith speaks. That's how it works. I'm throwing a rock based on the future, not on the now. How do you say something like that? I'm going to cut your head off with no sword in your hand because I'm making decisions based on the future, 
not on the now. Yeah, he already saw that he was going to take his sword. That's right. <laughs> he already saw it when he was standing there. He spoke by faith that he was going to get the transfer of that sword into his hand. And that takes us to habit number four. The fourth thing that overcomers do and, and, and that champions always make a habit of, they're always ready to fight. Put it in the comments. Number four, always ready to fight. I'm going to let you take this one because I got a fighter. I got a fighter on the right of me here. My wife, one thing I appreciate about my wife, she is strong. She is strong. This is a strong woman, not, I'm just in the natural, in the Lord. This is a woman who knows how to fight in the supernatural realm. She's not weak. She has strong faith. I've watched her stand. I've watched her stand in faith. I've watched her declare absolutely not devil, draw a line in the sand. You cannot come past. You can't come in this home. I've watched her fight in the Holy Ghost. And she's strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And I like being married to somebody who has a fighter's mentality. That's not willing to take whatever the world dishes out and just say, well, that's just how I thank God for a wife that is ready to fight in the Holy Ghost at all times. And so I know you got it in. I'm letting you take this one. <laughs> Sometimes I always, I always have to tell him, like, I have to make sure I don't come across as an angry person all the She's time. not an angry person. I'm not an She's angry person. She's victorious. I just, sometimes, you know, you feel so strong in your spirit, but you also have to realize, you know, there's other people around. you got to tone it down a little bit. <laughs> I almost spit my water out. You have to realize there's other people around. Because <laughs> sometimes I really feel like that inside of me. I feel like like that. So I have to be you like, You feel like Mel right, Gibson and Braveheart. I have to make sure I'm, I'm not letting this come across to somebody that I'm talking to, <laughs> that I'm mad at them. You know, people will say like, you know, I'm sure people think when I talk to them, oh, you know, the way I... If you have one-on-one -on -one conversations with me about stuff, and like he said, I'm believing for something with you, sometimes I can come, come across strong, but it's because of the anger that I have for the enemy, and I know that we're already victorious. That's right. One, the Bible tells us he's given us an armor to wear. So we already are protected. We already have a, a battle mindset that mm -hmm. we're supposed to have. Right. Um, and you gave us First Timothy this morning in 6.12. It says, fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. And so faith is a fight. And it says in Matthew that the violent take it by force. So we do have to be prepared for battle. We do have to have violent faith. That's right. And have that bulldog tenacity mm -hmm. that, you know, I say bulldog because they have such a, um, even pit bulls probably, yeah. right? Pit bulls, like that, once that they- That jaw locks. It's like alligators. I love alligators, so I will use alligators. Everyone's always using dogs, but they have, <laughs> they have a pressure bite. Well, what did we learn? Was it like 400 yeah, it's PSI insane. or something? Yeah, they're, that they're, they the bite, bite down, down force. Because when, when alligators go to get their victims, it's not even that their bite is what kills them immediately. It's that it's so forceful they and they won't let go that n n the person that or animal or whatever that's getting bitten is like done for just because of the pressure of their jaw and they that normally grabs drag them onto out into it. the water and drown them. 
They yeah. can't get free from the bite. Well, yeah, alligators don't even eat you at first. They they hang on to you and, and drown roll. you, roll you around. <laughs> and you can't get out. Why I, mean, that I like force, them so much? It just must be because of that. That force is so strong. I mean, literally, nothing gets out. Yes, and so a champion is prepared. Now, we know that we don't always have to fight because the Lord has gone before us and, and he's our victor and he is, but he wants you to always be prepared. And I know that you, you speak a lot on second Chronicles 20 about praise, but when we, when I was reading about, uh, the champion and ready to fight, I don't know. I thought of the story because it said that in, um, what did I read this morning when I went, Oh, he said, listen, all you people, this is, this is where, um, is it King Jehoshaphat? Yeah. What is it? Talking about the yeah. people and going the, out towards the three armies. Yeah, towards the three armies. And they're all nervous saying, <laughs> these armies are coming to destroy us. Look at us. There's not that many of us here. And you want us to do what? And he said, listen, be prepared for battle. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jerul. Mm -hmm. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions and stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. Mm -hmm. So... Why Why did they have to even get dressed and be prepared if they weren't going to fight? Right. So it's like, get your armor on, do what the word of God says, walk in obedience, have the mentality of a champion of being prepared to fight and watch. They, they came out the next morning and then that was it. Destroyed. And I love it. Didn't because even have to do anything, but just be prepared and praise battle. the Lord. And, yeah. I love that they, he required them. I love that he says, the battle's not your battle, the battle's the Lord's. He required them to go out against them, mm -hmm. but didn't require them to fight against them. They were ready to fight. They had their armor. They had their weapons their other than Judah. They had their faith. He did require them to go out against them. They couldn't stay in their tents, couldn't stay on the couch, can't stay home from church. They had to go out against them. But what he was saying was, as you go out against them in faithfulness, I will then go ahead of you and fight your battles for you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So as a champion, I've got this mentality that Paul told Timothy to have to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. I'm going to take it, as you said, by violent faith. The Bible gives us so many instructions on what our rights are as a believer. What's due to us? What is ours? And so just like when you think about in the natural, someone coming in to take something that's yours, mm -hmm. uh, whether it be something in your house, I mean, parents, somebody just to take your kids. I mean, when something is yours, yeah. you have a right to it. That's right. So that's what makes me so righteously angered is when the enemy tries to come and take something that's mine. Cause like, wait a second, I paid for that. You know, in the natural, not, I'm not talking about the spiritual stuff, Jesus paid for that. But I mean like, that was mine. I have a receipt. You can't take my Nespresso machine. Right. <laughs> She loves that espresso machine. <laughs> that is mine. I paid for it. Just, but anything, think anything that belongs to you. 
You'd be ticked if you woke up to go to work the next morning and your car was gone because someone took it. You'd right. be like, oh no, you can borrow it. I don't really need it. I'll get an Uber to work. Absolutely not. Yeah, it's mine. You would be so ticked. So I, that's what makes me angry is that the enemy is violating what belongs to me. So my faith gets ticked at the devil. And that's how you have to be. You have to have a righteous anger. Listen, Jesus got angry and he said not, and so can you. Because yeah. he got angry. He got a righteous anger That's right. at the enemy that was coming to de coming to steal, kill, and destroy, like John 10, 10 says. And so we, the devil's not a gentleman. He never will be. He is a jerk. And my kids say it all the time. <laughs> my son's always talking about destroying him. Uh, what did he call him yesterday? He called him something stupid. Um, he knows that the only person he can talk mean about is the devil so he gets all of his oh yeah angry stuff out on the devil. and that's devil. okay i've always told my kids listen i don't want you to go around saying you hate something <laughs> don't ever say you hate someone don't say you hate things da, 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 da. but the one thing you can say the word hate for is the devil i hate what he does to people yeah i hate him i hate that he's he he's a liar i hate that he does all this because when you get angry at the right thing and your energy for anger is used and hate it towards the right thing then you can destroy the works of the enemy. That's right. The, the Jesus gave us all power. Yes. Not not a little bit, not 99.9, 100% power over the enemy. And think, she mentioned the armor of God. Remember this. When the armor of God was given to us, we read about it in Ephesians chapter 6, it's important that you know you didn't just get armor. Very important you know that. I didn't just get armor. I got a sword. If all God wanted me to do was defend myself, he would have just given us armor and a shield. But that's not all he gave us. He gave us a sword, which means that we will attack. Hallelujah. We will attack. I want you to write it just by faith. I will attack. Put it in the comments section. I will attack. That's what the fight of faith is. What is the sword of the spirit? It's the word of of God, the Bible says. I use the word of God to attack every circumstance that tries to align itself against my victory. I use the word of God to attack every wicked thing that comes against my family. I've been given this sword and this sword will slice and dice every wicked thing sent from the enemy to destroy you your family, your business, your ministry, your mind, your body, your marriage. This sword will destroy every wicked thing. The word of God, the highest force in the universe. You've got to be ready to fight and attack everything the devil tries to launch against you. I'm not defending myself. I'm destroying it like Jesus did. First John 3, 8 says that the son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus then said in John 14, 12, the works that I do, you will do also and greater works than these because I'm going to be with the father. In the same way he destroyed the works of the devil, he gave you his word so that you can destroy the works of the devil. I wanna ask this question today of what offends your faith? Right. Because that's what will really get you upset and understand, you know, 
the push behind what we're saying. What offends your faith? Yeah. So don't make major things only offend your faith. Yeah. Don't wait until there's, you know, some major prayer request that you need or disease and you're like, you know, this offends my faith. So now I'm going to fight against it. You know what offends my faith? A cold offends my faith. A headache offends my faith. Uh, pain in my knees offends my faith. The small things. He, Jesus isn't looking at things as different levels. He doesn't say, oh, well, that person has cancer. Let me go, you know, focus on them. You have a cold. You could take NyQuil, you know, no big deal. <laughs> right, yeah. So what offends your faith? Does poverty offend your faith? These are things that Jesus redeemed us from on the cross. And let me say, if you don't let it, see, the, the people that don't get their faith offended when there's a breach in your covenant, you'll be satisfied to live with it. That's, that's what she's pointing out. You will be satisfied to live with it. Well, you know, I, I'm on my way to heaven. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worried about a little bit of sickness. I can, I can bear that. I know there's people with greater needs than me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what offends your faith? Does struggling offend your faith in any area? Does it offend your faith, um, you know, that you don't have peace? Because you know what? It's normal. Right. It's normal to have a little chaos in your life. It, it's normal. That's what the world to thinks. To have like, you know, ki kids can be unruly. It, you know, they're four. If they fall on the ground, they kick, so what? They spit on you, they slap you in the face. They're four. What are you going to do? <laughs> no. <laughs> the Bible <Spank> says. <laughs> their bottoms. <laughs> you know, so stuff has to offend your faith. You can, like, one of the biggest things I do for nonstop mom is let women know, and not just moms, but you can have everything because the Bible says you can have everything. You can have everything. You can have a good friendships, relationships, a marriage. You can have good kids. You can have a good life. You can have a good job. You can have a good body, meaning healthy. Yeah. I just received that and then you just crashed and destroyed my health. Um, <laughs> well, that comes with health. But I'm just saying the world will tell you you have to give up all this stuff. Oh, when you get married, forget it. You have to give this up. You have to give up your life, your social life. When kids come in, it's going to be really hard. It's like, right. good Lord, why do you even want to move on? The way with you, life? Some people talk about it, it's like your life comes to an end. So like, what offends your faith? Yeah. Your right to peace, your right to a good marriage, your right to divine healing, your right to prosperity, your right to a struggle-free life. Right. What offends your faith? That's Let the, key. the small stuff even offend your faith. Absolutely. Number five is this. You've got to learn how to laugh with purpose. I'm talking about employing supernatural joy as a weapon. Employ supernatural joy as a weapon. Number five is this. Laugh with purpose. Laugh with purpose. If your joy is gone, the Bible says your strength is gone. I'll give you two verses for that. Nehemiah 8, 10. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if your joy is gone, your strength is gone. You can't be an overcomer with no strength. You can't be a champion victorious with no strength. You've got to use the joy of the Lord as your strength to move forward in your purpose. Proverbs 17 and verse 22, the Bible says a merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Hallelujah. And so the devil wants to dry up your bones and to have a broken spirit and to have no strength. That's why he works on your joy, tries to steal it from you. But joy is not a feeling. It's a 
fruit of the spirit. It's something the Holy Ghost gives you. And so when you understand this, that champions are joyful by choice. Hallelujah. That's something I do want you to write in the comments. I will be joyful by choice. I will be joyful by choice. My joy is not dependent upon uh, how my coworkers treat me or how much money's in the bank. Or is, none of that is, is, is determining my joy. My joy is based on the fact I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and he's the giver of joy. And by his spirit and by his power, I have joy. Just like I can walk in love, I can walk in joy. We have to make that decision. Because if we're not joyful, we'll be weak, full of weakness that, you know, what's a dangerous thing is, is depression is a demonic attack against your strength. Absolutely. It's a demonic attack against your strength. Ladies, I have one for you. Proverbs 31, 25. She is clothed with strength and dignity and she digni dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. She is laughing now because the joy is her strength and it's preparing her for her future. Amen. It's preparing her. Her joy now, her laughter there in Proverbs 31, she laughs without fear of the future. She doesn't even have all the puzzle pieces because first of all, you won't. That's what faith operating mm -hmm. faith is. You take steps before you know everything. Right. But her staying in her joy right there and her laughter goes and shows you that she's laughing with purpose, knowing that that's going to lead her into her future without any fear, with not even knowing everything. Right. She's got it figured out by keeping that strength and that joy. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You got to learn how to sing in the storm when the devil's trying to make <laughs> it look. Yeah. <laughs> when the devil's trying to make it look like you won't make it. It's, it's pouring outside. It is pouring outside right now. It is like Florida Singing pouring. in the rain. <laughs> you got to learn how to I sing am. in the storm. I've got to learn how to have joy. I laugh. If the devil tries to lie to us and tell us we won't make it or something's not going to work or this attack's coming, I laugh in his ugly face. Because anything he says is a lie. I laugh in his ugly when face. We had to take Brooklyn to the emergency room during a meeting. During at a revival. Like, I don't know, 11 o'clock at night after church. Literally, Ted held her in the back seat. And I don't want to hear nothing about seatbelts and car seats. Because uh, I get those people all the time. They miss the entire point of what's being taught. In oh, the really? You drove all the way on oh, the Oh, seriously, I've had that. I know people think it's not true, but we will give a, a message on something, and then I'll get a side note that's like, you know what? Their seatbelt wasn't properly buckled, and yeah. it's like, all Beat right, it. move on. Um, so he held her and laughed in the back seat at 11 o'clock at night. She could barely breathe. I'm driving to the hospital and he held her and laughed the entire way. Amen. Because you know what? It set us up for when we got there and the news the doctor was trying to, to give us, we were already in a state of joy and happiness that we knew the report was going to be different and we had the position to change it. And so that's what laughter did. It strengthened us for what we were getting ready to receive. Did I feel like laughing? No. The devil's attacking my daughter. How old was she? Two? Mm -mm. One and a half? Four and a half months old. Four and a half months old? Son of a gun. <laughs> uh, I, I, apparently, I don't remember these details. I, I feel like laughing with my four and a half month old daughter that couldn't breathe in my arms. No, I don't feel like laughing. Didn't feel like laughing, especially after coming through the one, uh, you know, a couple years previous with Madeline. Don't feel like laughing. 
You feel like saying, what in the world's going on? Getting angry, getting sad, getting panicked. I laughed. You hold, and I'm sitting there, hold your ground. You stand. Having done all to stand, stand there for, you know? And so I just held her, and we, and the, that's, you know what that is? That's my choice now. I'm walking in joy. <laughs> I don't feel like laughing. I'm laughing in the devil's face yeah. because you're not going to destroy my daughter. You're not going to destroy my children. You're not going to steal her health. You're not going to put some kind of a bump in the road for us while the, and meanwhile, revival's hitting everywhere Funny we're that going. Both times our, our daughters right went during to revival. the hospital and got sick, like deathly sick was during meetings. Yeah, the like devil trying to stop can't it. Even, You can't stop it. But he can't even like do anything new. He's so stupid. It's like during services while we're on the road trying to like steal from the meeting, steal from us, steal our rest. It's like so stupid. Yeah. So stupid. And I think also we were laughing because it was just like, okay, wow, this is, you know, good, good one. You can't even do anything new taking us into the hospital on during the meeting. You have to employ joy as a weapon. If you don't do it, there will always be something to steal your joy. It's why I wrote yesterday, if your feelings driven, you'll never be spirit led. If you only have joy when you feel like having joy or feel joyful or everything's going right, you will not be victorious. You will not live as a champion in the kingdom of God. I have to employ joy as a weapon. It's a weapon. Let me give you a final one before we pray for you. Uh, the sixth thing that champions do, overcomers do, number six, they mirror their mentor. They mirror their mentor. Spiritual father, spiritual mother. What are we talking about? Well, look at, look at 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 14. 2 Kings 2, 14. Listen to this. The Bible says, then Elisha, this is right after Elijah was taken into heaven, then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water saying, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to one side and to the other and Elisha went over. The same thing he'd seen his spiritual father do, he did by impartation. That's why we need people in our lives that have gone before us that have done more than we've done, that understand how it works, that can show us the way by wisdom, by understanding, by teaching, by correction and reproof, that show you which way to go. Never, that's why I wrote this book. That's why I did Further Faster. This is one of the most important revelations, if not the most important, God's ever allowed me to release. Because this book is talking about how to accelerate your purpose through the force of impartation. I'm blown away by how many people think impartation's not important or they think it's not real. It's God's system of promotion in the body of Christ. It's that's, that's how God works. Elijah, Elisha, Moses, Joshua, Jesus, the disciples, Paul, Timothy, Paul, Onesimus, Paul, Philemon. It's how God works. It's how God works. And this book will show you how, and that's why I'm teaching that. You've got to have mentorship. You've got to have impartation from spiritual fathers and mothers in your life. You cannot, you cannot allow yourself to be disconnected from everybody and expect to be in victory. You need, that's how God works. He had, he puts people, you know, people, I, I'm under grace. I don't need to attend church. You need to attend church. 
I don't care how much you think you know about the word. I'm a preacher full time. I'm in church 300 nights a year, 300 services without question, 300 services a year, probably. And when I'm home, you better believe if the church doors are open, we're in church. I'm on the front row Sunday morning. I don't take Wednesday night off. Well, they'll understand, you know, I'm a preacher. I need my rest. No, I'm in church, aren't we? Wednesday night service, tonight's church. I'll be in church on the front row, praising God, receiving a word from Bishop tonight. Well, I'm not going because I'm not preaching. I don't care if I'm preaching or not. I'm in the house of God. Get in the house of God. The Bible teaches that God placed the fivefold ministry gifts in the church for the perfecting of the saints, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, those five offices that God created, which are all functioning to this day, by the way, are put in the church for the perfecting of the saints. Meaning we're not perfect yet. We are not fully perfect. We are still growing. Many people growing in faith, many people growing in maturity, growing in love, whatever it might be. We need the men and women of God who are training us up, correcting us, reproving us, encouraging us, directing us by the word. It's what we need. And so I'm not going to come up, well, you know, I'm a preacher. I don't need to be going to church. I'm in church all the time. I need to be in church. That's why I'm going tonight. And I go Sunday. I'll always be going. If I'm home, I'm in church. If I'm on the road, obviously I'm on church because I'm preaching every night. But I, I don't need, you know, but you know, people are like, well, I just need to get a vacation from church. You know, I need, I need a break from church. Why do you need a break they from church? They don't even go that much to get a vacation. I'm like, from why church. do you need a vacation like, from church? I just need to get out. Even there that much. Think of this. Wow, two I, services. I need week. to get. I need to get out of the presence of God for a while. <laughs> no, listen. I need to get out of the presence of God for a while. I've been in His presence too much. It's like why? Why I have had, you been out? Of I his... had someone ask me a long time ago. Oh, Bonnie's asking for number six. Number six is mirror your mentor. Get impartation. Gain impartation. Mirror. Thank you, Norman. Love you, buddy. But that's, that's what we need. We all need that. Uh, I had someone ask me a long time ago, uh, what would you do if this meeting went on? <laughs> like, uh, I pray that they go on. Yes, yeah, if it went on, we just keep going. I love church. I love to be in his anointing. I know what it is to get an impartation. And I love what your dad says, if you want a gift, you have to sit under a gift. I mean, that's what you saw when- You have to. What he just read is that you have to, you can't be an orphan wandering around, you know, I don't don't have a mom, I don't have a dad. I just, God called me, that's it. Listen, who who you're under (laughs) matters. Yes. Who you're under matters. When you're That's not why under say, someone, you look like a fruitcake because well, you do. When nutty. you go to a church, just nutty. people tell me, well, you know, God, I, f- I feel like God's got me in this church to, to help change it. It doesn't work that way. No. no well, we're, we're in a dead church right now, but I, we, we don't feel to leave because I believe God's going to use us to change the church. No, he won't because God doesn't work by insubordination. Leadership, you. Right. God's <laughs> not going to usurp the authority of the leadership to change them. God doesn't work that way. He works from the top down, not from the bottom up. Top down. 
God does not institute a pastor and then have his church members come in and usurp his authority to change the vision. And it sounds vision. so stupid to say God called you to a place where you're like frustrated to go yeah, every Yeah, you're always Sunday. angry. I don't know why they won't preach on healing. I don't know why they always are, are messing. Oh, I've got to sit here and listen to this. It's like, leave. Uh, why are you? Go somewhere that's on fire. If you go to a dead church, let me tell you something. If you go to a church and you're spirit filled, but your church isn't spirit filled, why you're there is baffling to me. If your church is not a spirit-filled church, well, I just like the worship. You need to get God's out and go somewhere that's spirit-filled. That if you go to a place that won't preach on healing, won't preach on the baptism of the Holy Ghost, won't tell you God's a provider and will bless you financially, they, they won't talk to you about deliverance. If you go to a place that, that has nothing to do with anything, you need to get out and go somewhere that's Holy Ghost Look, that will preach the full gospel. Miracle Word Kids Vlog agrees with you. Come on. Miracle Word Kids Vlog knows what I'm talking about. That's my daughter, Maddie. She put some fire in the comment section. I'm not, she's feeling this message today. <laughs> my God, I'm telling you, you need to get out. Well, we're going to raise her to understand. She knows. That she's going to have to, you know, as she gets older. She's filled the Holy she's Ghost. sitting under and who's going to, she's led by the Spirit and the reason why you're led by the Spirit and where it takes you. Write this in the comment section. Who I'm under matters greatly. Who I'm under matters greatly. If you're under weak leadership, you're going to be weak. Just like if somebody's got, if you're a boxer with a poor trainer, your training's going to suffer and you're going to lose because you've got a poor trainer training you. It's telling you the wrong thing. you things. won't be a champion. Exactly. Exactly right. You, so you start to realize something. <laughs> Who I'm under does matter. It matters greatly. You know, I'm looking at somebody in the comment section right now that says, thank you for all that you've imparted uh, to us, that there was a time, I read you this, the, the uh, testimony in the broadcast, there was a time my wife and I had to walk through the grocery store with the calculator open on our phone so we didn't spend more than was in our account on groceries. My wife had to ask my permission to get gas so that we wouldn't go over what we had in the bank. And, and now, I mean, God's blessing them abundantly just through the teaching, preaching of their pastor, through things they've heard from us. And what, what is it now? He, he wrote just re recently, had our first week where we took in $10,000 in one week. Well, that's supernatural. It matters who you're under. What if you're under somebody that teaches you, well, God doesn't want you to be blessed. God doesn't want you to prosper. God doesn't want you to have increase. God doesn't want you to have more than enough. You'll believe it. You'll act on that and you'll have nothing. Well, God doesn't want to heal you. God doesn't heal everybody. Even God's on, will's not healing. Even on the teaching, like some, but not too much. Right. He wants to just meet your needs, but yeah. not take you in the overflow. Yeah. That's what you'll have. You'll have needs met and you'll be struggling yep. because all the bills are paid Week and you got weeks, zero months, left over. Well, God doesn't want to heal you. He doesn't heal everybody. Healing's not for today. Have fun going through your life sick and diseased when God's ready and willing to heal you and now. And when you're living paycheck to paycheck, then you got to pay for medical bills. It's a bad spiraling out of control. It's way better to believe the word of God fully. <laughs> The full gospel, that's what it's called. We're full gospel. What does it mean to be full gospel? I believe in salvation by grace through faith. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost as a subsequent experience to salvation with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I believe in divine healing that's for everybody today. It has not ceased. It's still in operation and you can receive yours. 
I believe in deliverance, that God will set the captives free. If you're addicted to drugs or nicotine, pornography, whatever it might be, God will set you free by his spirit. I believe in the provision of God, that he is a provider and will, and you will live and you can live in abundance and prosperity financially, that you don't have to struggle, that it's God's desire to give you seed, that you sow that seed and then he'll bless you back with a harvest. And that's what I believe. I believe in the full gospel. And finally, I believe that he is a soon coming king, that Jesus Christ is coming back again very soon to rapture his church and before and after the tribulation takes place, his second coming and we'll return with him in glory and we will see the victory of God as he establishes his kingdom on the earth. I believe a full gospel, not a partial gospel, not a mutilated gospel, a full gospel that Jesus can still do what he said he can do, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he's, we talk about Jehovah, Yahweh, I'm the Lord, your God, I do not change. It's the same. We believe a full gospel. We will not preach a mutilated gospel. So we're going to pray because here's, we're we're talking about the fact that, you know, of course, and I I know a lot of times we talk about these things on the broadcast and they are uh, messages for mature people, but I believe you're mature people. You wouldn't keep coming back day after day if you got offended or bent out of shape because of what we're teaching, that strong meat of the word that we've got to stand up in discipline and be victorious Christians. And the mature ones have stayed. Though it's funny though, any time you talk about giving, oh yeah, always people numbers drop. <laughs> I gotta get out of here real quick. Excel, I gotta, Excel. I gotta, I gotta go to the bathroom. I gotta go to the bathroom. It's just true. Because it was when you were talking about seed time oh, and yeah. harvest. I saw some of the numbers go down. Oh yeah, it's, it's like fine, stay where you're at. That, it just happens. At that point, I mean, it's like just stay. You know why? Live in your misery. <laughs> Think about this. You want to know why it's so interesting? I'm really nice. Is because that's the last bastion of strength. Meaning if God has your finances, he has your whole life Mm -hmm. because your finances represent your entire life. What do you do with your life? You've got to go to a job. You have to leave your wife and children or your husband and children. You've got to go to your job and spend hours and hours, 40, 50 hours a week at your job. And then what do they do? They give you a paycheck in exchange for your life, the time that you've given them. So when you walk forward and put your tithes and offerings into the offering at church, you are literally putting a portion of your life into the kingdom of God. And if God has your finances, he has your life. That's the last thing people hang on to is, oh man, you know, I, I I don't know. I, I I can't be, I can't, I don't know if we can afford to tithe. You can't afford not to. Yeah, that's not even a question. You can't afford not to. And so it's, <laughs> it's, it's for the, I know it's for the mature, but we're, we're going to pray for you right here at the end of this broadcast and believe God that before this year comes to an end, you will see a mighty victory in your life in every area, whatever you're believing for. So that's our, that's our confession. That's our confession for 2020 violent increase, expedited favor. So I want you to pray with us today. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we thank you now for every person that's joined with us today and listening on the podcast as well. I pray, Lord, that you would open supernatural doors for the people of God in Jesus' name. Lord, as we pursue your presence and your mighty word, we thank you, Lord, 
that the impossible is becoming possible in Jesus name. The impossible is becoming possible in Jesus name. Doors that stayed closed forever are coming open because you have the key of David. And when you open doors, no man can shut them. And so right now in Jesus mighty name, we declare that there will be no door that can stay closed to your children. Doors are opening doors of peace and joy, doors of physical healing, doors of financial blessing, doors of deliverance, doors of household salvation. We will receive our testimonies quickly in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you and praise you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that this is going to be the greatest final quarter of a year we've ever had in Jesus name as your presence is manifesting all around us. We receive it. We thank you. We're going higher. You're blessing America. We thank you. You're blessing the nations of the world. And we expect to stand head and shoulders above the rest. Whatever crisis is taking place in the earth, we refuse to participate in it in Jesus' mighty name. For it shall go well with the righteous. Say unto the righteous, it shall be well with them. That's our word. We receive it. We stand on it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Listen, we love you. Thank you for people that are already sowing. We want to encourage you and challenge you today to sow a seed. Partner with us. Lynn Ann, thank you for sowing a seed. I believe I saw Maria Ponte sow a seed. Thank you. Did somebody else sow a seed in the comments? I thought I saw one other one. Um, Zach, thank you for sowing $1,000, man. We love you. We appreciate you guys. You and Heather, we love you guys very much. Listen, follow their lead. Take a step of faith today and sow whatever the Lord puts in your heart. It's very easy to do. You can do it in the comments section with hashtag donate. If you're on Facebook or Twitter, Periscope, if you're on YouTube watching or you're on the podcast, you can always go to miracleword.com. What we want to encourage you to do is stand with us on a monthly basis as partners. We've prayed and asked the Lord to attach partners to this ministry. And it's very easy to do when you go to miracleword.com. You can click on the give page and set up an account where you can adjust your frequency of sowing, the amount you're sowing monthly. Stand with us. Watch what God will do. We were, if you're in the United States, you can use Cash App or Venmo or PayPal as well. If you'd like to mail a check, our uh, mailing address is on every page of our website at the footer. You can find the mailing address. But take that step of faith today. I mean, there's so many things that we're doing and getting ready to do. I'm excited that we're getting ready to hit the world with television. Yeah, that's going to be a whole new ball game. A whole new world. I mean, three a continents. Whole new world. <laughs> I mean, think about that. Three that's continents. So exciting. 80 plus million homes. God did that. Yep. Open the door for us. And I'm telling you, we're going to run gonna through. You're going to do great. No, we're <laughs> going to do great. You're going to do great. <laughs> I'm just going to leave you on. I'm going to just go home and play video games. No, no. No, you can do it. Nah. Speak to the people. Nah. My God. No, uh, it's going to be awesome. I mean, like, I'm so excited to see the souls. You know, one of the things we're doing, and we're working kind of behind the scenes, we've got more work to do, but we want to set it up so that when people get saved through the television broadcast, that we have um, an automated discipleship program that's, and then she's already working on this. She's already got a lot of this going. But the, 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 automated discipleship set up to where when you go to the I just got saved page on our website no matter where you are in the world you'll get beamed into the office yes, and by, you'll get to meet Ted by a uh, hieroglyph no <laughs> Star what, Trek what, what, they did tra- it then it's true we're now. believing for it now like, but we'll, we'll be able to set it up to where even if you don't have a church 
We're going to try to help you find one, but also we want to send you something weekly. We're going to set up even a separate um, well, I don't want to tell all the secrets, Man, this but is exciting. It, it's exciting. I think got, I'm going to go get we're, saved we're, on the website I was praying you would be saved. Amen. So does Dave in church. He sent me a text on Sunday <laughs> during did. the altar call. If you want to go forward. With a bunch all. of hands raised. <laughs> like Dave. But man, we're, we're taking steps because listen, Jesus didn't just call us to make converts. What did he call us to make? Disciples. Yep. To make disciples. Those are people that operate in the disciplines of Christ. My friend Cody Spencer just dropped a great book on discipleship called Built. Just came out at Uproar, remember? Disciples are different. Disciples are different than converts. No question. I'm just saying, Jesus had a very small (laughs) amount of people that were considered his disciples. Yeah. There is a difference than just the mass. No, and and we think about it, it is based off that word discipline. Mm -hmm. Disciples walk in the disciplines of their master. And that's what it is. That's maturity in Christ. And so it's, it's exciting what's getting ready to happen. What you're sowing towards, what you're partnering with is a ministry that's going to touch the world and see souls saved and miracles take place. And you play a part in that by your faithfulness. So it's very exciting. Thank you. Everybody that's sowing $85 or more this month of September, our bishop released a book called Speak to the Void. It's our gift to you and it's a hardcover and he even signed it for you, which is a, a huge blessing. Thank you, Bishop Rick Thomas, for doing that. Um, and this is our gift to everybody sowing $85 or more. If you'd like to receive it this month, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer and make sure you fill out the form to let us know where you sowed and where we can mail this gift to you uh, so we can say thank you. And then everybody, uh, like Zach's an example, sowing $1,000 or more, uh, we're going to send you not only this limited edition hardcover of Further Faster, but also, as you know, one of my favorite new study tools, the Life Application Study Bible in New Living Translation, genuine leather, phenomenal study tool for your library to say thank you to you as well. Don't forget tomorrow, guess what's happening? My friend, Pastor Joel Stockstill is going to be with us on the broadcast. Did you have the slide or you couldn't get it up? You did find one? Bang, Pastor Joel Stockstill joining me tomorrow, 10.30 a.m. I love this man. I really love this man. Uh, fourth generation Pentecostal preacher. And uh, he's, he's a powerhouse. He's an absolute powerhouse. And um, I can't wait for him to be here tomorrow. It's going to be exciting. You don't want to miss it. Invite somebody to jump on the broadcast with us. Um, we've got some new stuff out in case people don't know. We've got some new things out for September for Miracle Word Kids as well. Yep, we have Miracle Word Kids. Um, the brand new mission It's never too late to get it. It's up all throughout the month. It's on prayer. Talking to your Heavenly Father, we give a little intro of the importance of prayer. We give and let your kids know, you know, what we're doing this month as far as directing them on who to pray for, how to pray. We're giving them prayer points. We have these great little sheets that that are weekly that they can fill out, and it puts them in the driver's seat who they're going to pray for. We kind of just give them a guidance on, on what to fill in. And um, like I said, prayer points to go along with it. And then we're ending the month of September uh, 
giving thanks to the Lord, giving thanks for what he's done, giving thanks for what he's going to do and teaching the kids um, how to incorporate that in their prayer. So the month of September is all about talking to our Heavenly Father. It's free. Go to MiracleWordKids.com. Um, all you have to do is put in your name and an email address and the whole mission gets sent directly to you and you can print it out wherever you are. On MiracleWordKids.com, there's a brand new Miracle Word Kids vlog episode available. Maddie, Brooklyn, and Teddy are on Miracle Word Kids vlog. And uh, Maddie, the latest episode is? Uh, going to Pittsburgh. Going to Pittsburgh and riding the incline in Pittsburgh. If you don't have Pastor Nathan and Pastor Joey's kids. Yep. If you don't have your kids subscribed and signed up to the Miracle Word Kids vlog on YouTube, it's on Kids YouTube as well. Um, Just search Miracle Word Kids vlog or very simply go to MiracleWordKids.com and you can access uh, the vlog right through the website. But subscribe. subscribe. Be New a part of it. episodes every single week. Yeah, and they've got some Proud of Maddie stuff they're going to be coming up, doing, and just a lot of a lot of good things. I mean, your kids are watching YouTube, kids YouTube anyway. They're already watching other kids do things. Absolutely. Might as well watch Christian kids do things. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Listen. I don't know we, how else to sell it. As we, I don't watch YouTube at all. <laughs> as we go out today, I feel like, because I feel some energy in my I spirit, feel like praising him. I think we need a little believer size. Oh, man. I think we need a little believer size. How about Brooklyn does it? <laughs> I love you guys. Have a great day. Don't forget tomorrow, Joel Stock still 10.30 a.m. It's going to be great. Let's get out of here doing some believer size. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.